welcome everybody to Legacy City Church. That sounds weird to uh, greet y'all that way, but welcome family. It's just, it's always good to be together. Seems like we were just here with some of you, but <laughs> if you don't know, we have a class that we're halfway through now. It's an eight-week course, uh, basic training in the prophetic ministry. So a handful of our church have been going through the the course and it's been fun, a yeah, lot of fun. We have a little bit of worship. We watch a video, Chris Ballatin uh, teaching us about a 20 minute video. And then we go through some kind of, I don't know if I should call it reinforcement, just some questions that kind of bounce back into things that we heard in the video just to kind of really get it in our grill and uh, kind of build some foundations about how to practice the prophetic, how to hear God. What to do, I was joking earlier about what to do with uh, bad prophetic words, and I, I actually played it for everyone just a second ago, and this is what we would do if someone walks in this room <laughs> and they give a bad prophetic word, I'm going to come up here right afterwards and go... It's one of the things we learned, flush the bad ones. Yes, we... Christians need toilets. That's what Chris said. We, we need toilets. We need plumbing. We need, to, we need to know how to get rid of those bad words. Yeah. Not bad words like, you know, cuss words, but bad prophetic words. Anyway, so, yeah, that's what we do on Wednesday nights. Then we've moved our prayer time. I should actually open up the slide thing here so we can just show you if I can figure out which buttons to push on here. And I guess I'll just use my phone tonight. Aha, here we go. You like that new artwork there? I stole That's it from cool. the internet. Actually, I got permission from uh, diedforyouart.com. I asked them probably a year or so ago, probably two years ago, if I could use their artwork. And they said, as long as it has their uh, website on it, that's fine. But anyway, it's kind of cool art. But Friday nights, we have a prayer and intercession here. And if that's not your thing, then don't come. But, you know, if... <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome to show up if you want to, but it's it's uh, fun, it and is fun. we just really go after things that God puts in our hearts. It's more of a spontaneous evening of a prayer and intercession. So, yeah, we just worship for maybe 10, 15 minutes, and then pray, and it's it's very refreshing. But it's a Friday night, and then you know we usually go from seven to about eight, fifteen ish in prayer, and then people hang out and chat and fellowship as long as you want so any of you are welcome to join us on a friday night and, and dive on in we also restocked but they're almost gone again we restocked this book by steve backland declarations the book declarations by steve backland is a very foundational book for tammy and i it's a his teaching and his influence in bethel church when it comes to declarations, when it comes to the power of your words, it actually shifted everything for us. We not only learned from Steve, but we, we learned from hearing people um, through Bethel Church, their online services, praying for people through their, through their online meetings, and they prayed different. Instead of praying that God would do things, they actually made declarations over the people they were praying for and it was, it was mind-blowing. It totally transformed the way we approached prayer. Not that we don't ask God to do things, but when you get the revelation of, first of all, who you are in Christ, right? You need to know who you are. You need to know that yeah. if you're a Christian, 
You're not just a sinner saved by grace. That may be true, but your identity in Christ is of a son or a daughter. When Jesus died for us on the cross, his blood took away our sin, and the spirit of God that he gave to us is called the spirit of adoption. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of adoption. And the Bible tells us that it's by that Holy Spirit that we get to cry out to God as Abba, Father, Daddy, God. So we get to call God Father, and that is the relationship he wants with us. He wants us to know him as Father and to know, to know who we are as sons and daughters. So before anything else, before a husband, before a dad to my kids, before I'm a mailman or a pastor, whatever, before any of that stuff, I need to be personally rooted and grounded in my identity as a son. Yeah. I've been adopted into God's family. So as a son and a daughter, you and I have been given authority. Jesus has given us authority as sons and daughters, royal authority. According to John 1.12, it's uh, the Greek word for that authority is exousia, which is royal authority, kind of like what a king or a queen would do when they're giving a, a command or a decree. You and I have been giving regal authority as children of God. And Jesus has given us the authority of his name to, to go into all the earth, to make disciples, to heal the sick. Not just pray that God would heal the sick, but we would do the same works Jesus did. That we would heal the sick, that we would cast out demons, that we would raise the dead. And how does that happen? What does that look like? Much of what the kingdom um, much of the expanding of the kingdom or the tearing down of things of the devil and bringing in things of the kingdom happens through the decree, happens through the declaration. It comes when we know who we are and we have authority to declare something with your mouth to speak to that thing and to release through your words, through your declarations, the power of heaven. So this book is a thin book. It's got 30 days of, of things, topics you can practice. And I thought it would be kind of fun just to take one tonight. So why don't we do this before we worship? If you guys want to stand up, why don't we stand up together? And let's just practice um, one of the chapters. It's just two sides. It's just two pages of the book. It's a, a series of declarations and then two lies that we want to break agreement with. Okay, so you guys ready? You got to say it out loud with me, okay? So well, I'm not the only one talking. Tammy's going to do her best to... Yep. I guess you want to look at the little phone screen here. Um, I can't read that. Okay, it's pretty smart. <laughs> we need bifocals. Once you hit 50, you need bifocals, right? No. No, okay. All right, so here we go. Declare. I tried to declare. What's come on? Okay. Let me, let me wet my whistle. What's that noise? They're doing your hair out there. That man, are the speakers starting to really get... Good. Okay, here we go, guys. Ready? So, King Jesus, as sons and daughters of God, we declare today, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still likes to heal. There are no walls between the healing grace of Jesus and me. My body is under supernatural protection. By his stripes, I have already been healed. I am a magnet for healing, and people around me constantly get healed. 
I am worthy to walk in divine health through the blood of Jesus. It is extremely easy for people in my region of the world to get healed. I am immune to sickness and disease because I am a new creation with new DNA. My family and I are free from generational illnesses through a divine swap of our inheritance for Jesus' inheritance. I am living in ever-increasing health. My eyes, bones, hearing, central nervous system, organs, and muscles get stronger and stronger the longer I live. Before I move on, that's supposed to say divine, not diving. Through a, di a diving swap. I mean, you can dive into it if you want. It is a divine swap of Jesus' inheritance for mine. Okay, here we go. Keep on going with me, guys. We choose today to break off agreement with these lies. God gives sickness and disease to teach us lessons. God cares about our spirits and souls, but not our bodies, because they're only temporary. Let's read Isaiah 53. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Amen. That's some good stuff. So that's just a taste of Backlund's little book over there of just the topic of healing. And there are different things that, that we can personally make declarations over ourselves for breakthroughs. And that doesn't mean that everything we just made declarations over are our current experience. You might be dealing with sickness. But what I want to encourage you with is that as you begin to declare what heaven would say over your, over your body, over your life, you will see change happen. I would encourage you and myself to make declarations of, this is what the scripture says, let the weak say what? I am, I am strong. strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. You know, the Bible tells us, speak the opposite of what you're going through. If it's not in the kingdom, then that's what we need to go against. We need to come against sickness. We need to come against depression and hopelessness and whatever. You just make the list. Whatever is in heaven, that is what Jesus said we should pray here on earth. Your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth, just as it is in heaven. So it's our joy and, and actual uh, permission from, from God to take hold of the things of heaven and pull them in. We need to reach into the heavenly place and pull the things of heaven into earth. That is what Jesus has taught us to do as we pray. So we will actually pray and start worship here. I want to uh, just let you guys know that as we begin to worship, I purposefully left this little message from Bill Johnson at the beginning of the worship, but it is actually an introduction to the worship tonight. So don't be caught off guard and in shock when you hear a loud voice talking. It might be a little loud, but don't worry. Don't panic. You won't have to hear someone shouting at you for the next 40 minutes. So, You guys okay? You guys good? All right. You want to pray for yeah. us? Okay. So, Father, we thank you that you do heal. God, we thank you for your healing power. God, we thank you that you have given us the ability to heal people and to do, do the things that you've done, God, and even greater. 
God, we're here to worship you tonight, so we just lay everything at your feet, anything that's happened throughout the week, Father. And God, we just grab hold on to you tonight. We hold on to you tight tonight, Father. God, we want to bless you. We want to magnify your name tonight, Father. You are so worthy to be praised. So we praise you tonight. Exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of your glorious splendor, of your majesty. And I will meditate on your awesome works. I will proclaim your great deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. And hear this, sons and daughters. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All you have made will praise you, O Lord. Your saints will extol you. They will tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all men may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. 
The Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living creature. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, loving toward all he has made. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just don't want to move too fast. I don't want to shift gears and spin out too fast. But if any of my, my our students, if any of the students or Wednesday night class students, um, you know who you are. If you have a in this. Um, like if you have a prophetic word for the body, I want to invite you to come up now. And um, Barbara, if you have a picture, a dream, a vision, uh, something that the Lord showed you, I'm just inviting. We've gone through this class with the purpose and the intent that our people would be trained up in the prophetic. And I want to give them permission to Take a risk and experiment with your learning, whether you're a seasoned prophetic person or, or if it's new to you. So I'll just give it a minute if you guys have something to come on up here. Let's just wait on the Lord, guys. to tether your heart to the heavenly realm 
all he needs is your yes. He just needs to hear you say yes. Yes to Jesus. Yes to his finished work on the cross. And yes to his lordship over your life. It's a yes to surrendering everything that we were singing tonight. It's just a yes. It's saying, Jesus, yes, I want to give you my everything. I want all of my dreams, all of my hopes. I want my life to be anchored and centered in you. I'll just throw it out there one more time. If any of our students have a word, I just want you guys to feel free to. I'm not going to okay if you don't that's fine um, I, I just want to encourage encourage you guys to uh, you know, just you know be free in that this is usually the time where we we want to flow in in contributions and the spirit contributions of what people are hearing and, and seeing and sensing the Lord saying is right at the end of worship because worship is is like the it's like the, the part of our gathering together where we get to gather around Jesus. And it's not about one person ministering or um, speaking. It's about all of us coming for the one purpose of ministering unto the Lord. We get to minister to him. We get to lavish worship on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We get to tell him what we think of him. And it's in the place of worship, the Bible tells us, the presence of God comes down presence of God rests it is he is enthroned on the praises of his people Psalm 22 says he is one version says he is enthroned on the praises of his people another translation says he inhabits the praises of his people and so when we sing worship to him we we release our our words and our the, the things in our heart through our words to him it's as if we are we're building a throne we are establishing a throne and it's no surprise to many of you that when you're alone and you're in your car and you put some worship music on, you put on the you know, Christian radio station, if that's your thing, and you start to feel God's presence as you're singing. You begin to, to worship him. Um, for me, it's just putting on worship music. And, um, but it doesn't have to be music. But, but for us in our gathering, it's when we worship, we come around the throne in worship, and we just we drop every agenda everything just drops and we're here for one one focus one purpose and something happens yes ma'am Anybody? You do? Pam? What is it? Isn't it a long and winding road? Is that what you said? Okay. And what's after that? Okay, then you're no better than me. <laughs> I just keep getting that. So it's a song. Yeah. Yeah, you don't know it? 
I, I think it's, you know, a long and winding road that leads back to you. Okay. Does that sound right? Do you feel like that's for someone in particular? Or do you no, like I, I think it's just where God is moving. It seems windy sometimes. It's not straightforward. Actually, um, Barb's word over me, too, kind of. What is it? Do you know the words? Uh, not enough to say it out loud. <laughs> okay. Um, I just thought it was, I mean, I, I don't know what it is really. Okay, so, and, and come, come up here. So when that happens, um, if anyone in the room, if you feel like that's resonating with you, then, then that's for you. Just take it. <clears throat> the long and winding road that leads to your door will never disappear. I've seen that road before. It always leads me here. Lead me to your door. Good one. Good. Awesome. I, I would say yes and amen to the Lord speaking that um, because that is, that is where, in a sense, that's where we're all at and we're all in different places in that long and windy road. us to him. Yeah. Pam, were you, did you have something? Okay. Well, so before, Barbara, come on up. I have one that's not, it's not fully formed, but. Um, can, can we get it on recording? It just, uh, I got to get you guys comfortable with this. Otherwise, I have to edit the, the video, the audio file and crank up the quiet part so that we can. Well, I was reluctant to say something because it's not fully formed, but it's a, it's like a Japanese painting of a tsunami, and I see like a, it's building and building and building, it's just getting taller and taller, and I get a sense that it's for the entire community, but I know that's all I'm getting thus far. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I just have one one word that I want to to give as an encouragement Alice <laughs> it's probably not your first time this has happened I think in the past when you came to our gathering that one one other time yeah <clears throat> and we probably mentioned the fact that your name means noble uh, your name actually yeah your name means noble and kind and that is that is what God sees in you he he sees who you really are you might not feel noble you may not feel kind i don't feel kind when i'm in a car and there's traffic i feel very irritable actually but but his dream over you when he was creating you was that you would be a daughter of his that would walk in nobility and kindness which are aspects they're facets of his nature so this is just kind of what I, um, well, it's just a scripture, actually. Um, Romans chapter 5, verse 17. So we'll just give this to you, but for everyone um, can take this as well. Death once held us in its grip, and by the blunder of one man, speaking of Adam, death reigned as king over humanity. But right now, how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life? And that's the part I want to highlight for you, that it's God's heart that you, 
he wants to grace you so that you could reign in life, that you could um, be held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as a, as a, well, we say a king, but as a royal person, as royalty in life, enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus the Messiah. So it all comes back to him as you're centered and rooted in him out of that relationship flows your true identity, your true nature, that you would, through his strength and through his union with you, that you would rise above in life and you would walk on a path that is ruling and reigning in life, tethered to him, tethered to his heart. So we just bless you with that. You have a a good name. Alice is a good name. So we just bless you with that. You guys doing okay? Everybody okay? I don't. Okay, Tan, we're going to uh, get comfortable here. It is 722, and we are going to dive in. We should have a nice big velvet couch. Should it be purple or gold? What do you think? Gold. Gold. Just like the one I grew up with, right, Cheryl? I know. I was just saying tonight we need those chairs. A nice gold couch so like what yeah. we had when we grew up as kids. You remember that couch? I saw a picture and it's very cool. It huh? was a cool couch. <laughs> Came from Arnold's Furniture back in the six, 1968. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, awesome. Um, yeah. Just want to just rest for a minute. Everybody doing okay? You guys doing good? We do at the end of the meeting just want to take some time to pray for anyone who wants to receive prayer. If you need healing in your body, if you need breakthroughs, encouragement, um, you know, it's always good to have some hands on prayer. And so, as you know, we always open up the front up here for that. And so we'll do that at the end of the meeting, which I'm going to make it a goal to get there. Um, We want to be done by 8 o'clock, by 8 p.m. Not done and leave the building, but done with this part. So I'm going to make it my goal to even do better than that. And what do you say, 25 minutes? Can you guys handle 25 minutes of rambling for me? Oh, I'm sorry. It's not rambling. Of preaching under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) All right, here we go. A while back, you know, I felt that God gave me permission to go through a book of the Bible. And I felt like he, he gave me the option to pick whatever one I wanted because he's just that good. Um, he likes the things you like. He puts things in our hearts that, that you find that you enjoy, and he's happy about the things that you enjoy when it's good good things, of course. Um, so I love the book of Hebrews. I love the book of Ephesians, Romans. I could probably pick any book in the New Testament. I probably wouldn't pick Revelation to go through, although I could. But the book of Hebrews is just so powerful, and we've, we've made it through uh, chapter 5, and now tonight we're going to bust through chapter six and it's a miracle yeah and if I can take us if I could walk with us through a chapter of Hebrews like we're going to do now in 25 minutes that's a that's a goal that is like applaudable (laughs) especially if you've been around me long enough you would know so here we go the theme there's two themes the first half of chapter six I know I have the wrong I 
don't tell anyone, I stole this picture from the interwebs. I, I Google things and I find a picture and I'm like, oh, I'll use that one. So we're actually not in Hebrews 5, 11 through 6, 12. We're actually in Hebrews 6. But the first part that's covered in this chapter, the majority of it is all about us being faithful to the end. And the last part is about Jesus. It's always centered back in Jesus. He is, he is the anchor. Our hope in him is the anchor for our souls. So let's dive right on in. Here we go. Now is the time for us to progress beyond the basic message of Christ and advance into perfection. The foundation has already been laid for us to build upon, turning away from our dead works to embrace faith in God and teaching about different baptisms, impartation by the laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So with God's enablement, we will move on to deeper truths. Now, a lot of us are probably thinking, bless you. Many of us are probably thinking, well, aren't those deep truths right there? I mean, baptisms. You know, the footnote said that there are actually seven different baptisms the Bible mentions. There's the baptism of fire, which sounds pretty good. There's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's the baptism of the suffering of the cross that Jesus went through, and we get to carry our own cross, so it's a baptism we get to take part in. There's a baptism of repentance, and there's three others that I can't remember, but there's seven <laughs> baptisms, trust me. And if you don't look up the footnotes of the Passion Translation, you can find out. So we have different baptisms, impartation of, through the laying on of hands, I think most of us that have been in this kind of Christian stream long enough understand that there is a transference. We, we believe that the Bible says there is an impartation that happens through the laying on of hands. You and you, every person in this room, and, and we, we together as believers in Jesus who have the Holy Spirit living in us, have the ability to release his presence. His presence and his anointing, when we talk about his anointing, anointing, the word anointed or anointing just means to smear. Like you put an, an, an ointment on a sore, well, you anoint that thing. You smear the healing medicine. So Jesus was and is the Christ, the anointed one. He is the one who came, who had the, the anointing of the Spirit of God on him, the, the smearing of the presence of God all over him so to speak. We don't use the word smear because it just sounds kind of, I don't know, almost kind of gross, I guess. But, but anointed just means to have an application of something on you. So we have the anointing of the Holy Spirit that is on our words when we release words in the Spirit. We, we can impart truth. We can impart freedom through the declaration. We can impart healing. And there's an impartation that happens through the laying on of hands. Many of you have had hands laid on you and you felt heat come into your body or you felt electricity when someone's praying for you. You might start to feel heaviness, the weight of God's presence. We were designed not just to carry like a jar with a tight lid the presence of God and never let it out. You were meant to be a leaky vessel. You were meant to have you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are meant to have doors and windows that open up and release so that the presence of God can get out of you. In fact, Jesus said, to those who believe in me, 
those, uh, yeah, to those who would later believe in him, out of their innermost being, rivers of living water would flow out of them. So we were made to have the Spirit of God in us and to be released out of us. Where does that come out? Well, the Bible does instruct us to lay hands on people. I know what you're thinking. I don't know, I could just read minds sometimes. No, it's, it's, it's not really reading minds, it's just knowing people. Um, yeah, I've got, we could all start, stand up and sing it. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. And yeah, you're laughing, you're thinking, yeah, when I go to the bathroom later on, I could sing that too. Anyway, and you know what? God laughs with us. Amen. But the reality is, the presence of God in us, he does get released out of us in power. Like there's power that comes out. And it's miracle working power, it's supernatural power. These are all considered elementary truths, elementary teachings. Um, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, that's pretty self-explanatory. It was dead, now it's, a, it's alive. <laughs> dead things coming back to life. <clears throat> like what? Our bird. leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death. The, not laying again a foundation of acts that lead to death. Now, in my mind, I always read that as, well, that's got to be sin, right? Those are acts that lead to death, things that you do that bring sin, uh, destruction, and death into your life. But then there was this book and this teaching by a guy in an apostolic network guy named Terry Virgo. For those of you that like to read books, you might look this one up. I might have a copy of it. And Terry Virgo, he's an apostle in the body of Christ, and he wrote this book called God's Lavish Grace. And in this book, he goes into depth about getting caught up in dead works. Many times churches, a church is a work of God. It begins with God's breathing something into people to come together and form a church. 
And there, there might possibly be a time where that, that work is over. It's done. It becomes a dead work. When it's lacking faith, lacking any joy, any hope, any purpose, it just becomes routine and someone's trying to prop it up and keep it going. That is when it becomes a dead work. It might be a ministry that you once had. It might be, yeah, just think of different things. There are different things that we can do in the kingdom as believers that can become dead works. And God wants to set us free from those things. If you're in a church that has become a dead work, I don't think you need to pray and ask to be released from it. I think you need to just be able to say this thing is, if there's no life in it anymore, there's no faith in it, it's done. I'm not going to take part in propping up a dead work. That's what happens here. You heard me say it now. <laughs> it's not happening. <laughs> I mean, you're free to go anytime you want anyway, but you know, as far as being committed to um, walking with us as a family, if this, for some reason, if this shifts into fruitless, faithless, dead works, let's pack it up. Let's clear the house. It would be sad. <laughs> and let's find a place where God would call us all to, to plant ourselves. And I would agree with that, but I would say that that's subjective, of course, because this is the danger. Okay. We may walk into a church and you might not feel the anointing and others in the room might feel it. So there's probably a few more things that would need to be involved and, and it would probably need to go straight to the, the head of that work, the people that are leading it. What are they doing? What, what, where are they? Are they walking in faith and in purpose? Because God may give a person who comes in to a, a work, a church, let's say, or a ministry, and you may feel nothing in it. Because you, you, sometimes we go into places as thermometers, looking to feel the, the atmosphere, the, the temperature of the spiritual atmosphere. But God has actually not called us to be thermometers. He's called us to be more like a thermostat where we get to go in and we get to release heaven into the atmosphere, yeah. which is a shift in thinking because most of us have the tendency to go in and first to say, I'm a critique of worship, I'm a critique of people's preaching, and it would be easy for me to say to a church, God's not really in that place, but actually I've learned not to say that, because if other people are being ministered to and they're, they're receiving life and there's, yeah. there's fruit coming out of it, then who am I to call it?
So again, I just this is good a good question, and it's definitely uh, worth talking about. But we have to we have to understand that our tendency as believers is to is to feel. Uh, if you're a feeler, um, or if you're a visual, you need to look for the fruit. So. And I think we have to be really careful too that it's not coming through a lens of where we're at in life because I've seen that happen with people where they're like, oh, I don't really feel the spirit there. But it's like, yeah, but you're going through a lot of stuff right now in life and I don't know that you can feel anything. So I think we have to be really careful of, of that and just, you know. So that's an example of someone feeling, not feeling anything in, in a ministry that's not theirs. And for, I will speak for me, I went through a season, a dark season of the soul, dark night of the soul, where I was not feeling anything. But it's in that time where I didn't feel any anointing ongoing, where I had to hold the prophetic promises of yeah. God before me. Yeah. And you guys got to go. Oh, okay. Yeah, hold the prophetic promises of God. the part about turning away from dead works and what was the other yeah. half? The contrast, the difference between God's subject leads to frustration and hope that we would attain his salvation. So what's the difference between turning away from dead works and feeling frustrated by God because we're not? Got an easy answer. Okay. It's from our class. You need the spirit of discernment. <laughs> we do. We, we, we all need the spirit of discernment. All right, all right. And God is, God is faithful. He's not going to He's not going to lead you astray. If you are trusting him and pressing into him, he's going to he's going to help you dis discern if it's if it's a if this church is over with and we need to pack it up, or if I'm just in a funk right now and I'm frustrated, feeling, or or maybe God is trying to do something in me and allowing me to feel frustrated, so I will go deeper into him. <coughs> There's so many scenarios. Yeah. Does that does that make sense? So, yeah. Awesome. So dead works don't have to be sins. We don't need to lay again the foundation of repentance from dead works or, or works, acts that lead to death. That could be sin, but it also could be a work, like the things we work at, our own devotion to God. If it's just becoming a dead work, a routine, there's no life in it, it's time to change. Yeah. It's time to go get the freshness. We need to walk in a freshness with God. Yeah. Fresh. Say it with me. <laughs> just say it. Fresh. fresh. Something about the word fresh it just sounds And good. I think, too, you know, as um, churches are just the easy example, as churches grow and somebody feels like, oh, hey, I want to do this thing, and you're like, yeah, go for it, but it, then it's not producing fruit, it's okay to be like, okay, this isn't working. And we always want to be listening to what God's telling us to do. There are, are going to be seasons where this church will do certain things, and then there'll be seasons where it won't be doing certain things according to what God's telling us to do. So, cool. And we have to never be afraid of being like, oh, this isn't really working, let's try something different. So, it's okay. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you failed or... And not every work, not everything God calls us to do is meant to be an eternal, everlasting work. Exactly. Some, Some works have a, a, have a beginning and expiration. Yeah. No. 
And it's when we don't realize that that we get caught into trying to prop something up because it was so good when it was happening. That's what I was about. Yeah. And I think that's why it's such a key to know who you are in Christ because yeah. if you don't know who you are in Christ and you're going through a season where now you're not walking in that thing you were doing, you're going to feel lost. You're going to feel like you're, you're going to have hopelessness. Um, Questioning. You're going to question. Walking with God. Yeah. Because, and you always have to be able to turn back and be like, no, you know, I'm a child of God and I'm just going to listen to him and follow him. So. Sweet. Let's go on. Yep. If I pause too much longer, we'll stick on this slide and we'll just be here <laughs> till 8 o'clock and we'll be like, oh man, I made a promise. And you guys all good? Is everybody good? Okay, verse 4, it is impossible to restore an apostate. I didn't have the definition of the word apostate, not a prostate. Goodness gracious, why do I always know what you're thinking? Um, <laughs> to restore, especially if it's, you know, well, anyway, been removed. Move on. <laughs> um, it's impossible to restore an apostate. An apostle is a sent one, an apostate is one who rejects their calling and turns mm. away from for once a person has come into God's light and tasted the gifts of the heavenly realm and has received the Holy Spirit and feasted on the good word of God and has entered into the power of the age that is breaking in, if he abandons his faith, there is no use even trying to lead him to repentance. This is God's word, not mine. By their sin of apostasy, they re-crucify the Son of God and having publicly repudiated Him. And have publicly repudiated Him. Now, this is, sounds like a very hopeless, scary passage. And if you're like me, as a baby Christian, as a young believer, maybe as in my first, I don't know how, maybe 15 years of my walking with God, the first half, I don't know, I didn't put a, a measuring stick and say, okay, I'm, I'm, I finally have come past this part. I'm going to come to terms with but this could really mess with you if you don't understand the next part of it that we'll read. You could feel like, wow, does that mean the first time I make a mistake and I sin, even a willful sin? Is God, am I becoming an apostate? Am I no longer a Christian? Has God disowned me? How many, let me just ask, I'll just ask, if you feel comfortable doing it, how many of you have been in your Christian walk at some point and you felt like, still saved or do I need to get saved again okay so there is an answer to that predicament we need to come to terms with what Jesus did for us we need to learn how to rest ourselves rest in the finished work of Jesus because it is by grace we're saved through faith and it's not from ourselves it's the gift of God so he gives us salvation, and the fruit of salvation is walking with God, hopefully in obedience, but there are going to be times where we are walking in disobedience. And James, James gives us, gave, gave, no, not James, 1 John 1 gave me a lot of comfort when I weighed, see, scriptures interpret scriptures. The Bible will interpret itself. It will help you navigate where you're at through the help of the Holy Spirit. If you feel like you've messed up, 
by reading this scripture and you're like, oh no, I've crossed the line. And if I, I can't even come back to Jesus now because if I do, I'm going to re-crucify him and publicly repudiate him. <laughs> that was a great look on your face there. Kelly, you look like your eyes were just like, oh, okay. Okay, that's good. You stay there. I didn't mean to, didn't mean to pull you back. Didn't mean to pull you back. But then you'll read, so, so you may feel stuck, but then you, then you go into your Bible to 1 John. Let me just read it real quick. I probably got this highlighted with a pen over and over because I needed to, I needed to know that I know that I know where I'm at with God. Yeah, so here's what 1 John 1 says in verse um, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light... So that means I need to walk in the light. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Okay, so there's that's half of it. I'm learning here in that verse to, to know that my sins have been purified. I need to walk in the light as he is in the light and have fellowship with other believers. But the rest of it says, if we claim to be without sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we can, here's the key, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and the word has no place in us. Jesus is our advocate. He is our defender. He is our defender. We stand secure in him. And I think the best way to, to rest with this verse, this is speaking about someone who has turned away from God. Completely turned away. Not someone that has fallen into sin, got stuck in a habit, and was struggling and grieving on their insides because the Holy Spirit was convicting them and, and showing them this is not who you are. This is not what I they, they want out of it. There's a difference between that and a person who is just throwing off all restraint and basically saying, God, I want nothing to do with you anymore. I don't want to be a Christian. I am going my own way. That is a dangerous place to be in. And according to this scripture, that is a dangerous place to be. Because when if, if they try to come back, it's going to be like re-crucifying Jesus all over again. Does that mean that they can't? I'm not the judge. You are not the judge. Let's look at the rest of the scripture. For men's hearts are just like the soil that drinks up the showers, which often fall upon it. Some soil will yield crops as God's blessing upon the field. But if the field continues to produce only thorns and thistles, a curse hangs over it and it will be burned. Even though we speak like this, beloved, we are fully convinced that there are more beautiful and excellent things which flow from your salvation. Now, maybe that didn't completely answer a struggle or a tension with that verse. God can soften a heart and he can harden a heart. Nobody can come to Jesus unless the Father draws them. 
nobody can come, Jesus said it, nobody can come to me unless the Father draws them. So if a person is wandering, God is really good at going after his wandering sheep and pulling them back into the fold. But if someone chooses to fully reject God after coming to taste of the things of God, after receiving Jesus as Lord, proclaiming him as Lord, and walking with him and enjoying his, his word and fellowship with the Spirit of God, and then something goes south inside of them and they just totally abandon the faith, there's a big difference between that and a falling down and getting up. You guys tracking? Does, it, does this feel hopeful? Are you going? No. Oh, okay. Preach it. There you go. Oh, she's going. She's going. Amen. Get, get, get louder. Don't just give me a hand. I thought you're waving. But she's like, go, go on. I'm out of here. Okay. Here we go. Man, we are on that time crunch. No, we're fine. For God, the faithful one, he is not unfair. How can he forget the beautiful work you have done for him? He remembers the love you demonstrate as you continually serve his beloved ones for the glory of his name. But we long to see you passionately advance until the end, and you find your hope fulfilled. So don't allow your hearts to grow dull or lose your enthusiasm. He's trying to, to provoke them to fire, to passion for Jesus, and not to grow dull and get lose your enthusiasm. But follow the example of those who fully received what God has promised because of their strong faith and patient endurance. I don't know about you guys, but I am going to hold fast until the end. I don't care if everything falls to crap and goes to hell around me. i got to hold fast. Yeah. I gave my life to Jesus 30 years ago with a lot of junk in my life, and I, and I confessed to him, I don't know how I'll ever change. But one thing I will do right now in this moment, I give you my life. I surrender Jesus. Where else can I go? And it's the same today. Where else can we go? Who else can we turn to? He is salvation. If I make mistakes along the way, I'm going to get back up and run to him. I'm not going to believe a lie from the enemy that I know would be the enemy's will and plan to separate me and wedge me away from God so that I'm hopeless and feel condemned. He is called the accuser of the brethren, the accuser of Christians. He's the accuser. He accuses us night and day before God. He wants to destroy us. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's a liar and a thief. Yep, so we have to be aware that the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, but we do have one who is on our side. He is the roaring lion. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. See, the, the devil wants to just try to make you think that God is not with you, not for you, that he's against you. So that's, again, that's why we need to go into the word of God and be Encouraged. Here's a couple footnotes, guys. The Greek word for dull of heart is, I didn't look it up first how to pronounce it, but it's pretty simple probably. Nothros. Nothros. Say it like an Italian. Nothros. <laughs> it's probably Nothros or something like that. I don't know. It's Greek to me, which is taken, it's, it might be actually Aramaic, taken from the root word meaning illegitimate child. Hmm. Interesting. It's taken from the root word illegitimate child. The implication is that we don't see ourselves as a child of 
legitimacy, but as a child of intimacy. And that keeps our relationship fervent and passionate. And I had to throw in Romans 12, 11 from the Passion Translation, of course. I love this verse. And I would, I would tattoo this on every one of us, but I'd do myself first, of course. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward him boiling hot. Let's just have fun and say things tonight. Just say boiling hot. Boiling, boiling hot. Boiling hot. So I'm just going to pray for myself right now, and I'm going to pray for you guys. God, I just pray that you would keep my passion and my family here's passion for you boiling hot, that we would radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit. I love it that Val says that we are the shiny ones, that we would radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Yes, yes. Amen. That's a good, that's a good word. We're almost done. I don't have really any footnotes. We're just going to gently go through this rest of this chapter. Now, when God has made a promise, excuse me, when God made a promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater than himself, he swore an oath on his own integrity to keep the promise as sure as God exists. So he said, have no doubt. I promise to bless you over and over and give you a son and multiply you. So that was God's promise to Abraham. So Abraham waited patiently in faith and succeeded in seeing the promise fulfilled. I'll just make a quick mention. We all know the story of Abraham. He didn't wait for the promise to be fulfilled before screwing up. Well, that's kind of a plan of words. And uh, trying to make the promise to happen in the flesh. Yeah. He had Ishmael. He had sex with his wife's maid servant. And because his wife was like, you should just baby, so you might as well sleep with sleep with her and get the son that God promised. Mistake. Okay? And to this day, we have the whole Islamic nations in Israel. And anyway, you can trace the lines and see the wars that go all the way up to today. The lineage of Ishmael and the lineage of Isaac, the promised one, the promised son. So, back to the scripture here. Verse 16. It's very common for people to swear an oath by something greater than themselves. For the oath will confirm their statements and end all dispute. How many of us have sw I swear on the Bible? Verse 17. In the same way, God wanted to end all doubt and confirm it even more forcefully to those who would inherit his promises. His purpose was unchangeable, so God added his vow. He has given you and me his vow to his promise. So it is impossible for God to lie, for we know that his promise and his vow never change. God's word is true, and let every man be a liar. God's word is true. Every promise, every promise of God is yes and amen in Christ Jesus, according to Colossians chapter 2, somewhere in there, right? It's in there. Trust me. If you really want to know, we can look it up at the end here. And now we, so here's the end passage here, and we do have a footnote, but We'll get through this. And now we have run into his heart. And this goes back to what I felt God was saying tonight. He wants to tether us to his heart. He wants to tether your heart to his. He wants to tie us together. We have run into his heart to hide ourselves in his faithfulness. This is where we find his strength and comfort. For he empowers us to seize has already been established ahead of time. An unshakable hope. We have this certain hope 
like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself. The, our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat in the heavenly realm beyond the sacred threshold where Jesus and where Jesus, our forerunner, has gone before us. He is now and forever our royal priest like Melchizedek. We talked about, about Melchizedek last week. Um, mysterious figure. I won't go back and rehash any of that. There's a lot of terminology in here, uh, like our anchor of hope fastened to the mercy seat. What does that mean, you might be thinking? What's a mercy seat? In the heavenly realm of all places. Okay, So apparently there's a mercy seat in the heavenly realm beyond the sacred threshold. Let's look at the at the footnotes here. Jesus is our trailblazer, first of all. He has blazed a trail for us to enter into the sacred chamber and seize the hope that has been fulfilled in his eyes already, to have a company of king priests who will dwell with him in the holiest of holies and minister from there out to the nations of the clear implication of verses 19 through 20 is that he takes us in to share his throne and his ministry as the royal priest. The picture is there's, this, there's a difference between where we're at right here in this room and this place that can be called the third heaven. It's the realm of, of the kingdom of God, the, the realm of the spirit place where Jesus is right now at this very moment, seated at the right hand of the Father, okay, you might think in your mind, well, that sounds far off. That sounds like this heaven. When I die someday, I'll go to heaven, to the sweet by and by, far beyond, in the, in the far off yonder, or whatever. People use weird old words. It sounds far off, but did you know that you and I are actually seated with Christ right now in heavenly in the heavenly place. So the realm of the spirit, the realm of heaven, the throne room of God is not far off. It's right. It's as close as your skin. It's as close as you need. And I don't fully understand dimensions. Some of us might think we have a grasp on that kind of thing, but some of us don't. And we don't want to confuse and freak everybody out with talking scientific terminology. But there are many dimensions, and the realm of the Spirit's not far off. And Jesus, when he ascended, he did ascend from the disciples right before their eyes and was taken up into a cloud. And the angels appeared, and they said, the same way you saw him disappear is the same, same way he's going to return. For us to be seated here in this room and also seated in the heavenly realm with Christ Jesus right now means we are, we are by location. Bilocational. We won't go there. <clears throat> we are bilocational. We are in two places at the same time. Don't try to wrap your mind around it right now. Um, I'm not going to go into this stuff. Next week, I'm going to try to go into this. It will really help us if we understand some of the terminology, like the mercy seat, the holy of holies, because there's this temple. Let's just take a quick look, but I'm not going to go through all of it. The temple... What's that? You made it. I made it. It's 8 o'clock, yeah. 
and then I'm, I'm dragging it out by going into this picture here. So there was a, an actual temple on earth, the, the Temple of Solomon, that was destroyed in whatever year, A.D., I forget which year it was, but the Romans came and they took it apart and they burned all of the, got all the gold out of the temple. But anyway, the Temple Mount still exists, and it's where you see the pictures of the Jewish uh, people going up against the, called the Wailing Wall, and they're praying their prayers against the wall, and they're writing their prayers down, and they're tucking them into the cracks of that wall. That, that is the foundation of the Temple of Solomon. That's what remains. And on that Temple Mount right now is the, the Dome of the Rock, the Islamic Mosque. But there was this temple that existed, and it was broken up into a holy place the, where you see all the candelabras, and the Holy of Holies. So I'll just read that. It says, The Holy of Holies was the innermost chamber of Solomon's temple. It contained only two gold-inlaid cherubim and the Ark of the Covenant. Watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. You get a good pictorial right there. The high priest was permitted to enter the Holy of Holies only once a year to bring an offering of blood. This is the Day of Atonement known as Yom Kippur. There's a little diagram. So basically the temple consists of, of three parts. It had the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was at. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was at. See what it says Ark? It's a little, little word there. It's not the real temple. It's just a picture, I know. The Ark had the Ten Commandments inside of it. It had a jar of the manna that God provided for the Israelites. It, it had a, a, a rod, a staff that had budded. And it wasn't planted in the ground. It was Aaron's staff, and it just had grown buds on it supernaturally. It contained those things, and on the top of it was a lid. And that lid was called the mercy seat. So the presence of God, the Shekinah glory is what the Bible describes it as. The glory of God's presence rested on the top of that ark. And only once a year could a priest, a high priest, chosen by Lot, would go in there with smoke of incense, trembling with bells on his robe, so that if he was struck dead by God, they could you know, pull him out by the rope that was tied around his foot, and they could hear him make sure he's still moving, and they could hear the bells. And he would sprinkle the blood of the lamb on that mercy seat once a year for the sins of the nation of Israel and for his own sins. Jesus, um, not Jesus, Paul actually told, told, tells us in 1 Corinthians, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You and I are broken up into three parts. We have a spirit in us, a soul, and a body. There's a comparison between, this is, I'm really not going to try to go into this, but there's a comparison between you, who you are as a temple of the Holy Spirit and the actual temple that once existed. And not only that, but there's a, the temple that existed on earth is a replication of a spiritual temple or tabernacle in the heavenly realm. We'll read about that later when we go through uh, the rest of this book. And of course, that's the, the ark. about everything that was prescribed for the priest to go in. And all of, all of the things in the temple had symbolic meaning, and it all points to Jesus. It all points to him. But without going into all of that, we should wrap up. Why don't we stand up? We'll stand up, put some mood music on.
pray. And then if you want to receive some prayer, there's lots of us in the room that would love to get, just get around you and blast you with that Holy Spirit power blasting, pressure washing. Maybe a good pressure washing. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Jesus, we thank you that you, you are our great high priest. You are the one who went into the Holy of Holies on our behalf, not the one on earth, but the most holy place in the heavenly realm. And you presented your own blood, the blood of, of goats and, and calves could never permanently take away sins. It was only a reminder, a yearly reminder of our need for you. But you are the one, Jesus, you are the one who went before us. You offered your body you are our great high priest and you gave yourself for us. You shed your blood for us and presented your blood as an eternal offering of redemption. We thank you for your blood. We thank you that what you did for us on our behalf is everything we need. That we could have a relationship with you, that our sins have been our sins have been blotted out. Our sins have been forgiven. And it's your blood that has covered over us. It is your blood that has purified us and has made us clean. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you that your blood purifies us even now from all unrighteousness. We celebrate it, Lord. We rejoice in what you've done for us. We, we look to you our magnificent King Priest. And we thank you, Lord, that you have called us to your side. You've called us to be tethered to you. You have called us to place all of our hope in you, Jesus. Our hope is in you tonight, Lord. I place my hope in you. We let our hope in you go into that Holy of Holies, through the curtain, through the veil, we let our hope go into that place like an anchor, firm for our souls to be secured to. And we hold fast to you, Jesus. We find our hope in you, Lord. Thank you, God, that you're faithful to your word, that your word is true, and that we can hold fast to your promises. We just look to you this evening to be our security, to be our rescuer, to be our, our advocate, I know that my Redeemer lives, that I have an advocate on high. You are my everything, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We worship you. We just worship you tonight, Lord. We, we lift up our bodies, our hearts, our minds, everything we are. We just lift it up to you tonight as an offering. We thank you, Lord. We give ourselves fully to you tonight, Jesus.